0: Today, we are to be fishers of men. We are to be going about sharing the gospel with those whom we come across. Then last week, the life lesson we learned was for us as believers to love our neighbor as an outpouring of our love for God. I pray this week you've had the opportunity to love your neighbor well, to practice what we learned. Well, our text this morning, we're going to be learning a different life lesson, and the life lesson we will learn will uh, we will learn by asking this question: As a saved disciple of Jesus, what is the most important thing we can do to know Him as Lord? So, for just a moment, thirty seconds or so, on your sermon notes there or in your mind, I want you just to I want you to list your top priority in life. What is your top priority? In life, just take a moment, write it down. Think about it, meditate upon it for a second. What is your top priority in life? Our text here in Luke is going to help us answer the question what is the most important thing we can do to know Him? as Lord it reads beginning in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10 hopefully you're there by now if not you can follow us on the screens it reads now as they were traveling along he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home what we see here that Jesus was continuing his mission which would eventually lead him where to Jerusalem where he would be crucified where he would be buried where he would raise on the third day And so as we go through the book of Luke, we're going to see Jesus along this mission, along this journey, stopping at different places, interacting with different people, uh, pointing people to the Father. Well, we see here that uh, in our text it says they were traveling. So we can conclude from this that there were disciples with Jesus. And we don't know how many or who, but there was a group of people that was traveling with him. And as they traveled, they entered a village. And this woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, Luke does not mention the name of the village because his purpose here is not where this took place. But more importantly, what was the response to Jesus in this place? Just last week we looked at how Jesus was received differently. He uh, comes upon uh, a time of teaching and he's questioned By a lawyer. The lawyer actually tested him, but what do we see with Martha? Martha welcomed him. There's a different response there. Well, we also know that if you do study uh, the Word of God, and you look into John 11 and John 12, that, that Martha and Mary, they lived in Bethany. It was about two miles down the road from Jerusalem, and it lies on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. And so here we have Jesus and his disciples. They've come upon Bethany. They're welcome into Martha's home. And, and, and Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus, whom, if you recall, Jesus raised from the dead, they, they were very close friends of Jesus. We see Jesus with these with these three many different times throughout the Gospels. You know, it's quite possible that Martha was widowed at this time, and, and she apparently had a big enough home to, to host large gatherings. And And Martha would be considered the kind of the head of the home in this case. And so we see that that Jesus uh, has come to be a part of that. And what we see is that Jesus uh, continued on his missions. But he also did this in verse 39. Luke goes on to tell us she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Now here we see that Jesus was taking time to commune with his friends. Jesus had stopped at Martha and Mary, Mary's home to, to visit, to fellowship, and to rest. We also know that anytime Jesus is in a gathering, there's going to be an opportunity for him to teach. We see that in every instance where he is. He's, he's teaching or he's correcting or he's even rebuking. Um, he's uh, pointing people to the Father. And so um, in this case, we see that Jesus uh, is, is there for rest, but he's also going to find himself teaching. We know that when we think about uh, Jesus and his humanity... He needed this time just like you and I do. He, he needed friendships and a place to be able to have fellowship and, and intimacy with true, true friends. We all will speak to the importance of that time we have where we're with true friends and we're able to just rest, to be ourselves, to interact, to encourage one another, uh, to just be around in, in each other's presence. And, and Jesus, in His humanity, He needed that as well. He needed those friendships and a place to have those true friends. Not only do we see, though, that humanity of Jesus here in this text, but we also experience the teaching of Jesus here in Martha's home. So, so Mary, the scripture tells us, was seated at the Lord's feet. And, and Luke's favorite title for Jesus is used in this passage when he uses the title Lord. Man, he loved using this throughout his writing. And the title, Lord, helps us identify not only the humanity, but the deity of Jesus in this story. The place where a disciple would sit to learn in those times was at the teacher's feet. And this is exactly where we find Mary. Now, it's important to note this, that that Mary was welcomed by Jesus to listen you know, back in that time, rabbis had taught people to listen to wise men or, or teachers, but, but not to talk much with women. Boy, I want us to, again, see how countercultural Jesus was as he walked this earth. He was living, a, and he was about the Father's business and about the Father's way. And so he invites and welcomes Mary into this opportunity of learning and listening and teaching. As a matter of fact, Jesus values all of us. And we see that in this moment. He values men. He values women. He values children. He values all tribes, all tongues, all nations. And he takes time to say, Mary, you're invited. Sit at my feet. Listen to my words. And Luke emphasizes that is exactly what Mary is taking the opportunity to do. She is listening to his word. Mary is invested where? She's invested in this conversation. She's invested in this time of teaching. And in this moment, I want us to understand there is not one thing or one person or one obligation that is more important than listening to the words of Jesus. Mary was right where she needed to be. She was not going to miss this opportunity. Jesus was in the house and this valuable time would not be missed on her. As we continue in our text, Luke tells us in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her, to help me. Boy, there's a lot to unpack here in verse 40. We'll be careful which direction we go. But we know this Martha finds herself distracted. Martha finds herself complaining to Jesus. Martha finds herself in the midst of her fatigue and frustration. And, and Martha was fuming and told Jesus what she expected him to do. Well, at first, Martha was distracted, right? She was consumed by her preparations that, that she did not take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. I mean, she was busy serving all that were in the house. Now remember, it's not just Jesus. There was, there was a group with him. And so she's, she's, she is serving those who were in her house. She was hosting and she was serving. And if any of you have ever done that, whether you've hosted and served in your home or hosted and served in the church or, or in your workplace or somewhere in the community, when you host and when you serve, boy, if you do it out of the wrong, with the wrong focus or you do it uh, where you overwhelm yourself, guess what? You're going to find yourself just like Martha did. You're going to find yourself fatigued, frustrated, especially if you feel you're the only one doing anything. Like again, I said, this could be at home, this could be at church, this could be at the workplace. But Martha's fatigue led to that frustration, which led to her fuming. She became angry. And that is the only way we can understand how she spoke to Jesus. Now remember, Mary Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus, they're a tight group. They're intimate friends, and you can see that with how comfortable Martha is in just kind of telling Jesus what she expected. Who do we speak to sometimes in the most uh, unkind ways? Those whom we're most comfortable with, right? Because we know there's going to be some forgiveness and some grace, but you know, in between there's going to be kind of an argument. But we see this. She speaks to Jesus, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Martha complains to Jesus. Now, in that complaint, she begins correctly. How does she address him? She addresses him as Lord. He is in his rightful place. But man, then she brings that complaint. And with that complaint, she is expecting, she actually demands that Jesus corrects Mary and tell her her to help Martha serve. I'm just going to say this we might want to be careful how we address the Lord with our demands. Now, we've all been there. Um, Jesus, I need this to happen in this amount of time, and if you can't do that, you need to figure out how to do it. Jesus, I've got this issue that I've created myself, but if you can't get me out of it, I'm going to need you to figure out how to do that. And hey, there's some real situations like, Jesus, I've got a severe health issue that could take my life or I've got some severe some financial difficulties that were created not by me but by some extenuating circumstances and, and Jesus I need you to do what you have promised to do boy that is not that is not how we address our Lord and Savior we find ourselves there just as Martha did and so we want to make sure we're not just pointing the finger at Martha but we're allowing ourselves to, to see what God is teaching here this morning. Boy, there are many times we're in the midst of serving the Lord and, and serving others. I just kind of want to speak a little bit to, to the church for a minute. We, we find ourselves serving the Lord and serving others and we allow our focus to be altered. We forget sometimes that we're choosing to serve because in that moment we've made a commitment to do so. Or we are carrying out our gifting and talent and, and I say again, we made the choice to do this serving When our focus changes from what we are doing and who we are doing it for, guess what? We can quickly begin to point the fingers at others and begin to ask, why aren't they doing their part? Man, y'all are asking for volunteers again. Man, I serve every Sunday. Why don't somebody else get out of their seat and do it? And don't act like you ain't thought that before. But here's the point. We don't serve because we expect somebody else to come serve, right? There are some of us who never serve because we haven't quite grasped the idea that God's called us to serve. But I want us to be very careful. We do not know why somebody else might not be serving in this season or in this moment. Here's the thing. Maybe they made a different choice in this moment or in this season. Maybe they have some circumstances or situations in their life where they need to make a choice different than the choice you are making to serve. And this is where we find Martha and Mary. Two different choices that were made by two different people. And one led to fatigue, frustration, and fuming, and a horrible response to Jesus when he was in her midst. But Luke provides the response from Jesus to Martha in verse 41. Let's look at that. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things. I can guarantee you this is not the expected response that Martha desired. Jesus corrects Martha, not Mary. And if you notice, he actually uses Martha's name twice. And I find this very interesting. Did a little research. And I know for sure the Lord does this at least eight different times throughout Scripture. When he speaks of and he says, Abraham, Abraham. And the angel of the Lord calls out to get his attention so Abraham doesn't continue to sacrifice his child. Then we see that he calls out Jacob, Jacob, as God is speaking in a vision about Joseph. And then we see Moses, Moses, when God speaks to him through the burning bush. Then we see Samuel, Samuel, when the Lord was providing Samuel's calling And then here in our scripture, Martha, Martha, and he's getting the attention, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But then there's Simon, Simon, when when Jesus is predicting Peter's denial. Then we see it happen again on the road to Damascus with Saul, Saul, in Acts chapter 9. But then we even see Jesus, my God, my God, while he's on on the cross, why have you forsaken me? Boy, this, this is done, this dual uh, use of the name is, is done so that you can get one's attention. It's in the Hebrew culture, it actually was done as a show of intimate and close relationship. It's trying to, to get the attention while diffusing the tension. To say, listen, I, I don't want you to miss what I'm about to say. There may be repentance involved. There may be correction involved. There may be teaching. There may be encouragement. There must be kind words. But but listen, we want your attention. Don't miss what's about to take place. And Jesus comes and says, Martha, Martha. He wants her to understand. He is not addressing her anger with his own. Instead, he's desiring to lovingly and graciously correct her so that she may understand the importance of sitting at his feet. The importance of, listen, not letting her service get in the way of her communion and relationship with Him. Jesus tells Martha this. She is worried and bothered by many things which should not be the case. Boy, have we ever found ourselves there? We're worried about everything else but what really is important. We're making time for everything else but the main thing. We're distracted. We're anxious. We're worried about things that honestly, in the big scheme, don't matter. And man, this is, this is such an important thing that we don't want to miss this morning. Martha's serving and her, and her heart in serving and welcoming Jesus and the disciples into her home, that heart in serving, guess what? It was not wrong. As a matter of fact, God calls us to serve and that was a, something Martha is able to live out. She's good at it. She's able to serve. Listen, Martha's heart to prepare and to host was not wrong. But where she went wrong is she found her priorities out of order and her anger at Mary was out of line. Remember that question we asked, what's your top priority? We're going to continue to visit that this morning. What Martha was doing was not wrong nor even sinful until anger entered in because her priorities was lost on what she should have been doing. Such a great truth principle for me and you. When our priorities are out of order, it can lead to many misled emotions, many misled outbursts. It can lead to fatigue, frustration, and fuming, as we've already talked about. It can lead to sin. It can lead to hurt. It can lead to poor choices. And really, that's what is at the heart of this with Martha. She made a poor choice not to take time to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to his word. How can we know this? Because Luke tells us in verse 42... Jesus continuing his answer to Martha. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Only one thing is necessary. Did you read that and hear it? Only one thing is necessary. In your sermon notes there in the bulletin, we had the opportunity to, to put kind of a supporting Scripture uh, little piece of paper, and, and that's where these Scriptures are. And uh, We didn't spell them out for you, but we wanted you to make sure that you had them. And I want to read a few of these Scriptures that speak to this one thing that Jesus is alluding to here. In Psalm 27, 4, we see, "...one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life." to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Luke 18, 22, when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Come, follow me. When we look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, it says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Boy, when we think about the one thing, what is all of that alluding to? What all of, is, is all of that pointing to? Time spent with the Lord. It's all about the Lord. We're talking about spending time with Him in the temple. Spending time with Him in worship. Spending time with Him so we might fulfill the call that is upon our life. That we will follow Him in the way that He desires for us to follow Him. Mary chose the good part. So in correcting Martha, Jesus allowed her to see the good choice, and that was clearly sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. Boy, I am sure in that moment, Martha had a realization. Her priorities were out of order. She had served so well. She was such a great host. She had planned and prepared and carried it out exactly the way she had planned. But she missed the most important part of the moment. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you've taken care of all the details. You were the one serving. You were the one hosting the gathering. You were the one that was part of the, the planning process. And, and in that moment, you're doing all the tasks. You're making sure everything's going right. Your heart's in it. You're not really uh, opposed or angry at anybody. But when you get done with that event or you get done with that hosting or you get done with that opportunity, you go home, you sit down, and you said, what just happened? I think it went really well. Don't really know what we did. I didn't really talk with anybody. I don't really know the hearts of the people that were there. And I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that hat on right here as a, as a shepherd and as a pastor. Boy, we do a lot of service-oriented things. And man, I, I want to make sure those details take place. I want to make sure that we shepherd well and that we minister well and that the events go well. But boy, when I go home and I for, sit down and realize I've forgotten to fellowship with the people. I forgot to listen to those who were there. Boy, I've just Marthaed myself. And I've got to be careful of that. And, and, and Martha, I think, is understanding this She missed the best part. Listen, Jesus was in her home. She missed out on the teaching and the fellowship and the spending time in communion with him. She missed that one necessary thing. But praise God, Mary did not. It is best to sit at Jesus' feet and hear God's word. Listen to this. What feeds the soul is much more important than what feeds the body. Hear that again. What feeds the soul is much more important than what feeds the body. In just a few moments, we're going to partake of communion. And we are warned. As the Corinthians were like, don't come here to fill your belly when you partake communion. Remember what we're doing. We are are remembering what Christ did for us on the cross We were remembering that his blood was shed. Listen, that communion that we're partaking of, it's not about filling ourselves up physically, but spiritually being reminded of who we are in Christ and how much he loved us and the sacrifice he took for us. We need to understand that feeding our soul is more important than feeding the body. And when our soul is full and refreshed and it's pure and it's right, From hearing the word, listen, then our service will be fruitful. It will be life-giving. It will be full of joy. And it will be correctly focused on the ones whom we are serving, Jesus and others. Martha missed that even. She lost focus of serving Jesus and others, lost focus of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she was so upset that she was angry that her sister was doing the most important thing. She was doing the good part. Boy, the good part, Jesus, <laughs> he, he ends this in such a beautiful way. The good part will not be taken away from Mary. Did you catch that? The word endures forever. What was Mary listening to? The words of Jesus The Word is what feeds and nourishes our soul. The Word provides blessing and strength. The Word is where we find our life lesson this morning. Our life lesson from the Gospel of Luke is this. Prioritize your time with the Word. Prioritize your time with the Word. Let's make sense of this. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. What a beautiful background to understand this. We understand the Son of God, Jesus, He's always been, He's always will be, and He is Word in flesh. And our time with Him must be of top priority. That is the most valuable relationship we will ever experience, and it's one that lasts all eternity. You know, our time with the Word is lived out by our time in the Word. Our time with the Word is lived out by our time in the Word, God's written Word. If you uh, have been a a part of church uh, for the entirety of your life, or you went to Sunday school or children's church when you were a child, you you remember this song, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Why would we spend time teaching our children that song? Because the truth is so foundational and so rich of how to walk this thing called life. Boy, I love it. That's one of Gabrielle's favorite little songs, man, and she will sing it at the top of her lungs. And my heart and prayer is that one day it's not just a song, but it's a reality that she lives her life on. Time with the Word, in the Word, is the believer's top priority. When we are in the Word, we are sitting at the feet of the Word. Jesus. Boy, how marvelous is this for you and me. Just soak that in for a second. God thought enough of us not only to send His Son, but to write in His Word all that we can know about Him. Our life lesson again from Luke, prioritized time with the Word. And this is how we accomplish this daily. If you want to, it's not on the screen, it's it's there on your paper, but if you want to actually read the words with me, I want you to turn to Psalm 119 in your Bibles or on your phone, or, or you can just listen. Psalm 119, we're going to be in verse 97, we're going to go through verse 105 very quickly as we learn how to apply this daily in our life. Psalm 119, verse 97. Prioritizing our time with the word, how can we do this? There's a few things we can do. Psalm 119, 97a is where we're going to start. And Here's what the psalmist says. Oh, how I love your law. Well, you want, to, you want to prioritize your time with the Word? You must cherish the Word. You must cherish the Word. The relationship with Jesus Christ as the Word and the relationship we have with the Word that we find written to us. Boy, some of us, honestly, if we look around this room, I guarantee you there are many of us who have 10 to 15 Bibles all throughout our different places. Our office, our workplace, our home, our car. We are blessed to have the written word while there are those who have never, ever been given or touched the written word. Can I tell you, like, That used to be just off in far lands that have never had it translated. But can I tell you in the United States of America, in the great state of Texas, in the city of Waco, there are people we are coming across that have never had a word of God given to them to open and to read. And there are those who have actually never heard the name of Jesus in our city. Yet many of us at times have had to pick this up, dust the dust off. And decide it's time to get in it. And I'm not saying that out of guilt. I'm saying that out of fact. It's happened. But when we cherish the word, when I love the law of God, when I come and say, God, I want to know you intimately, I find myself now where? I find myself in his word, learning the ins and outs of who God is. whom he desires for me to be in him. Oh, I must cherish the Word. But not only must we cherish the, Lord, the Word, Psalm 97 b says this, It's my meditation all the day. We are to commune with the Word. Oh, if we cherish it, now we're reading it, we're listening to it, we are understanding it, and now we're going to meditate upon it. There are no sweeter moments in my life that when I'm just driving along or going about the day and, I, and I'm, I'm meditating on something God has shown me in his word or I'm, I'm just thinking about a piece of scripture or, and I'm going, man, and I look out and I see God's beauty. Or I'm in a situation and I recall his word and go, hey, God's before this. Folks, it's important as we cherish the word that we commune with the word, not just in our quiet time, But we meditated upon it all day long. It's what leads and drives our conversations. It's what leads and drives our attitudes in the workplace. It's what leads and drives how we love our spouse and our family. Boy, that communion with the Word is vital in our everyday life. We cherish it. We commune with it. Psalm 119, 98 through 102 reads this. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from the evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances for you yourself have taught me. Wow. You know what we do in living this out? We choose to live according to the word. And isn't that what Mary did? She made the choice. She chose the good parts. Listen, we are to choose to live according to the word. And think about what we just read. I have observed your precepts. How do we know how to live according to the word? We read it. We study it. We begin to understand it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We restrain our feet from evil. We want to keep the word. So if we're going to keep the word, we've got to do what? We've got to know the word. We've got to apply the word. We've got to live it out even when we don't want to. And I love this. For you yourself have taught me. Listen, we are called to be under the shepherding of a local church. We are called to be a discipler or to be being discipled. We are to learn from other godly believers. But the person we learn from the most and who is always right and perfect and correct is whom? Jesus. God's Word. That's where we learn. That's why it's important, Mom and Dad, that when we teach our children, that we teach them the truth of the Word and we open the Word and we show them in the Word that it's God who says this. God who loves them. But then we see last in Psalm 119, 103 through 105, how do we live this out daily? We care for our soul by resting in the word. Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Boy, that is pretty Sweet. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. The world tells us we must go, 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 go. We don't have time for anything else but ourselves and our career and everything else we can put into place. No, no, Jesus says, hold on. Be still and know that I am God. Cast your cares upon me. Give me your burdens. Rest. We care for our soul by resting in the Word. From your precepts, I get understanding. I understand what it means to rest, that I must slow down, that I must move in God's timing. We want to make sure that as we rest, we're being replenished and nourished by the Word of God so that when it's time to serve, when it's time to be about the Father's business, guess what? You and I are prepared and we're rested and we're strong and we're ready to go into the battle. How can you care for your soul? You make it a lamp to your feet and a light into your path. This morning, we learned from Martha and Mary to prioritize our time with the word. So I'd like to close with just a 10-word statement. Serving cannot be complete without sitting at the Savior's feet. Serving cannot be complete without sitting at the Savior's feet. Serving Jesus and others takes place in our home, in our church, in our workplace, in our community. And here at Fellowship Bible, we have said it time and time again, and we believe this. We all have our place to serve within the local body. But I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning. Serving cannot be complete without sitting at the Savior's feet. When we are sitting at the Savior's feet, we are being filled up with His Word, which is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so we may be adequately equipped for every good work. Listen, the Word of God is infallible. It's inerrant. It is right. It is correct. We go and we are filled up with truth and holiness and we are filled up with righteousness. We're filled up in the way to go about how we respond and how we react in situations. Can I encourage you this morning, as you serve, understand that it cannot be complete without sitting at the Savior's feet. Because when we're filled up, the joy and the fruitfulness of serving comes from being filled up, encouraged, taught, and equipped through the word. So here's the deal. If you desire to serve your savior well, if you desire to serve your spouse well, or desire to serve your family or your church, or your coworkers, your community well, then you first must be filled up with the word because that's where we are provided the strength and the power and the correct heart and focus to do so. We asked that question earlier. As a saved disciple of Jesus, what is the most important thing we can do to know him as Lord? For the most important thing we can do to know Jesus, the word, is to be in the word, listening to his words. Serving cannot be complete without sitting at the Savior's feet. Let us prioritize our time with the word. Let's pray. God, we come before you. We've been challenged this morning and been reminded of how awesome your word is, how refreshing it is how encouraging, how teachable it is. So God, I pray this morning as we enter into a time to prayer as a congregation that we will just take time to still our hearts, to reflect upon what we've heard, to prepare our hearts for communion. Would you pray with me there in your chair? Would you just take a moment to thank God for his word? First, his word, the son of God, for the salvation that he went to the cross to provide. And second, for his written word, so we might know God's story, his expectations, his desires for you and me. Would you thank God there in your seat this morning? As we continue in prayer, would you simply just go to the Lord? And whatever situations or difficulties or mountaintops that you're facing right now, would you, would you ask the Lord to continue to give you uh, the heart to cherish his word so that you might have communion with him, and that you might be able to, uh, to choose to, to live out the word. In that just asking God, God, will you make my time with you the top priority? And this morning we come to a time of communion and I would like for us just as a church body, as individuals, to just examine our hearts. To confess sin that's unconfessed, whether it be personal, whether it be sin against a brother or sister in Christ or someone whom you may have ought against. Because we want to come to the Lord's Supper, to the Lord's Table, to be able to commune with a pure heart, a heart that desires to celebrate and remember what Christ did for us to be able to have a relationship with him. Just take that moment to examine and to confess. Oh Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you, to sit at your table, to remember who you are through this time of communion. We love you, Jesus. Amen.